Welcome back to the E100 Podcast, everybody. On today's podcast, I have Matt with Grim Reaper Broadheads. If you guys haven't seen what Grim Reaper Broadheads can do, you need to check them out. Um, I'm actually, I have not used them in the past, but um, they're pretty amazing. I've got some friends that have used them and they they swear by them. So Grim Reaper has been a, a sponsor of ours on the podcast in the past, and we're super stoked to be able to have this podcast with them to be able to just talk about some of the new stuff that they have coming out, as well as just archery hunting in, in general. So um, before we jump into the podcast, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, Vortex Optics, uh, for everything that they do for us here at eHunter. I'm sure you guys are kind of sick of hearing me say it like that. I kind of say it the same way every single time, but uh, we are very grateful for them and for the, all the help that they give us. They're, they have some amazing products, a lot of new stuff coming out for 2022, so, so check out their stuff. So, all right, guys, um, we'll hop into this podcast. Looks like, uh, like, looks like they're hopping on. So, hope you guys enjoy. Let us know if you guys have any comments or questions. See ya. Well, dude, I'm excited to, to get this podcast rolling. I, you know, um, I'll be honest, Matt, I, I have never used a Grim Reaper broadhead, which I know you, I'm glad we're doing this via Zoom because you'd probably shoot one at me right now. <laughs> but I'll like it. I'll ever. Can I get your address? <laughs> no way, man. I just show up my front door with a with that guy standing behind you. I don't I don't want none of that. Right. Right. <laughs> don't worry. I, I've taken up the Grim Reaper mantle for E Hunter. I've I've cool. shot him for a long time. So yeah. I'll I'll excuse Taryn's ignorance. We'll get him we'll get him converted <laughs> over. So that's what that's what I'm kind of figuring. We're gonna get converted over on this pl- Actually, I'm already converted over because uh I mean Seth is always talking about it. And then I've got a couple buddies here. So I live down in Enterprise, Utah. And okay. uh, got a couple of buddies here that just swear by it and had a buddy this last year. He shot two deer. He shot one in Nevada and one here in Utah. Just beautiful, beautiful bucks. So I think one scored like 185 and one scored like 176, something like that. And um, he, he, he was telling me the stories of, of shooting them. And like I said, he was using the, the Grim Reaper broadheads. And dude, those things, they, they annihilate those deer. It's amazing. Yeah. No, they're... Awesome heads and obviously locally made. Um, so yeah, my 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 brother-in-law is actually his all of his family's from Enterprise. So oh no the way Jones, the Jones family. Holy cow! Would... Kyle Jones is my brother-in-law. He has a bunch of younger brothers. No way! Yeah, yeah. I, I went to school with all those boys. So yeah, he was a little bit older than me, but yeah, Colin McKay, Colin, all those guys yeah, are uh, my age. Yeah, yeah, Colin or Kyle's married to my older sister, so. Holy crap! I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good dude. He he. Yeah, well, he's a good dude. He teaches there at Snow Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, teaches and coaches, etc. So they live over in Islands. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so, crazy. What a small world. Most people when I, I'll say Enterprise, and they're like, uh, "Where's Enterprise?" I'm like, oh, "It's St. George." Oh, okay, St. George. All right. <laughs> I know where it is. <laughs> Well, let's jump into this podcast and get things going. I'm sure you have a lot going on today, especially if you're trying to get ready for shows and, and whatnot, but I appreciate you taking a, a few minutes to jump on it and talk about all things Grim Reaper. So I guess, first and foremost, what we always like to do is have you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do over there. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm uh, Matt Bateman. I am the uh, national sales manager here at Grim Reaper, also the longest tenured employee at the company been here for 15 years so pretty early on in in Grim Reaper's history uh you know they've been around Grim Reaper's been around since officially came onto the scene in 2000 um 
So the first six, seven years, uh, I wasn't here, but uh, I've been here ever since. So, um, but yeah, I'm the national sales manager here. Uh, obviously, um, on my personal side, I'm, I'm married with three kids, uh, live in Santa Cruz, Utah. So yes. passionate, uh, <laughs> passionate bow hunter, um, passionate archer, advocate of archery and hunting and, and all things outdoors. So, um, you know, love being in the industry, love, uh, meet new people and, and obviously spending a lot of time outdoors um, and especially with the ball in my hands. So, um, but yeah, as far as what I do here, obviously I manage uh, sales nationwide. Actually, we have dealers and, and distributors all over the world, um, you know, and, and uh, oversee, you know, so all sales operations here at Grim Reaper, but uh, heavily involved with, with, uh, a lot of things being here as long as I have in a small family owned company, you know, I've been heavily involved with uh, design and development and marketing and, you know, honestly, nobody knows the ins and outs of Grim Reaper Broadheads and our product line better than I do in, in the world. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm uh, pretty knowledgeable across everything Grim Reaper. So I look forward to having a, a fun conversation with you guys today and see where it goes. That's awesome. man. Uh- that's good. I'm glad that you've been there that long because I have I have quite a few questions I want to ask you. I know Seth has a lot that he wants to ask you as well, and, and we want to talk about a lot of you know kind of your new stuff that's coming out, and well, not even just your new stuff, but just all things, all you know, all all products as we you know talk today. But um, well, if I can't answer it, nobody can. So. <laughs> good, good. That's awesome. <laughs> well, let's do that. Let let's let's first talk about kind of like. You know, for for some of the folks, so I've really been looking into Grim Reaper, like I said, ever since the, this past summer when when my buddy shot those two deer, and you know, he he called me and had me help with it. And I was just, I was, I was honestly, I'm I'm not trying to blow smoke up your skirt or anything like that. I was honestly blown away at how well those broadheads worked. And so, like I said, Seth's been talking about it like crazy. And so I, I just kind of want to talk about like what products we have. And I'm probably going to turn it over to Seth because he knows your products a lot better than, than, than I do and, and can probably ask better questions. But I, I just kind of want to, let's start that way. If you guys don't mind talking about what products yeah. Grim Reaper has. I, I think it'd be great for me to give a little company history and what, what ultimately makes Grim Reaper broadheads great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in my opinion, sets us apart on a lot of levels from, from other, uh, manufacturers in the industry because there's a lot of broadheads out there there's a lot of companies out there um but really what's what's unique and sets grim reaper apart are are several things but one um when you look at the archery industry and especially the broadhead category grim reaper broadheads is one of the only brands remaining in the industry that's still independently owned under original ownership everything's 100 percent made in-house in our own machine shop, et cetera, um, all made here in the USA, made right here in Provo, Utah. And so, you know, most most brands and most companies don't have that. They, they're under a big umbrella or a big conglomerate or a big investment or marketing group and they have right. multiple different products and multiple different brands, et cetera, and, which is great. But, but our sole focus is broadheads, design, quality. We you know, eat, sleep, and breathe broadheads. And because of that, I mean, that's our passion. That's our expertise. We are absolute broadhead experts. Um, that's all we do. And um, so that passion, that knowledge, that experience shows in our product line. Um, we're not strung out on a million different things. We just 
make sharp objects and kill stuff. And uh, so we really, we really, you know, the, the passion, the knowledge, the qualities there. Um, and then, then we, you know, because of that, and because it's our sole focus, we have created really the most diverse line of broadheads in the entire industry right now. Um, as far as different model broadheads, fixed blade, hybrid, mechanicals, different grain weight options, et cetera. I mean, there's nobody that has as extensive of a line as Grim Reaper broadheads. And some people look at it and like, whoa, you guys have a ton of product, but it, it's because that's all we do. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're experts, you know, we don't want to be a jack of all trades. Right. You know, we want to be an expert in what we do. And, and so that's really what sets Grim Reaper broadheads as a brand apart from a lot of the competition out there and then we can dive into specifics and, and different models etc but that's kind of a you know an overhaul of, of who we are as a company and a brand and really what sets us apart so um you, you'll notice like the guys that are behind the grim reaper brand out there um they're behind it because not because they because of hype or because of marketing or because of all the TV commercials or whatever, they behind it because of the, the same passion we feel. It's a good quality product that performs and it's consistent and works for them. It's almost like a cult-like following and that's what we want. That's what Grim Reaper's always tried to accomplish. Um, you know, we could go spend a million dollars in marketing and, and buy a certain percentage of customers, but we build a, a, a diehard following and a brand of, of, of hunters that love our products because of you know, the quality, the service we offer, the expertise we offer, the diversity we offer, the constant, constant improvements we make. Um, I mean, even day to day, we can see something in production and make it better. And that's, you know, we're not bringing a container of broadheads over from China, right. honestly, where a lot of them come from, that uh, it is what it is once they show up. I mean, if I see something midstream or we see something midstream in our production on our machines that, hey, we make this tip sharper, we can make this tougher, or we can do this different. We have the ability to, to do that. And, and so the evolution of Grim Reaper over the last 20 years, 15 years in particular, since I've been here, is pretty awesome to see where we've come. And, and uh, you know, so that's an overhaul of what really sets Grim Reaper apart as a company and as a brand. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's crazy. And it, you know, like kind of going back to what you're saying, like it's kind of a cult following. I, I really think it is. And it's not because, like you said, it's not because of the marketing that you guys do. I mean, there, there are those places that have that, maybe not in the broadhead world, but in, you know, in other areas, but uh, it's results based. You know, as I said, like just like with my buddy, you know, looking what he had, it, it's, it's results result based because of what it does. He's like, yeah, that, I won't shoot anything else but Grim Reaper broadheads. And so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing what they do and it does create that cult following. And then once you have that following, you know, guys like me will see what they do and then it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I, I need to try something different. So I, you know, I've seen what Seth's done in the past. I'm like, holy cow, it's just, it, it, there's, I, I need to jump on the bandwagon is what I need to do. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we watch on board and, and, you know, we, we, uh, that's how we get people, right? They, yep. they see what their friends are doing or their buddies are doing and they see the success and, and, and then, you know, People are are big on good quality American-made products yeah. right now, and also service, you know, and expertise. And and it's hard to call a company and get get service or get someone that knows what they're talking about. And people can actually call here to Grim Reaper and speak to me directly, the most knowledgeable person on the planet, on our brand. And I got that passion and that knowledge. And 
So there's just a different dynamic than they, they get with maybe some other brands. And, and we pride ourselves on that. That's who we want to be and what we do. And, and um, so we want people to use the product because it works for them. And, and we know that because I'm a, I'm a diehard. I don't know if you know anything about me, but I'm a diehard archer first, a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. And I got to believe in what, yeah. what I'm selling and pushing. And, and I put it to the test, you know, in the field and in testing and, and I fully believe in our products and our brand and, 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 uh, you know, I'm not just some guy sitting behind the desk. I, I ran them through the ringer in, in w- real world scenarios. And, uh, you know, I can stand behind that and, and talk to guys about them and, and they see that passion shine through as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's who we are and what we want to do and get guys like you to try them and we know you'll stay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what changes have you guys so over that 15 years? And sorry, Seth, I know that, you know, how's, I know you have a lot of stuff that you want to talk about, but I just can't help myself. So over those 15 years, Matt, like what, what big changes have you guys made with your broadheads? What, you know, have you guys, you talked about making them sharper, or bigger or whatever. Like what, what are some of the things that you guys have done in that, in those 15 years? Right. So, I mean, you look back 20 years ago with mechanical broadheads, right? That's kind of when, when mechanical broadheads were first getting popular. Mm-hmm. And the owner actually, who's still the owner and original inventor of the broadheads, Jay Lichty, he liked the concept of a mechanical broadhead, but for him, especially out west, rail cutting, et cetera, it didn't, there was some, some lacking features, durability and penetration and deflection you know, all the things that some of the very, and fixed blades went through the same thing. Right. You know, I don't know how old you guys are, but I used to steal broadheads out of my dad's broadhead box, old satellite broadheads and paper thin blades. And it was, they just weren't what they are today. Right. right. And same thing with mechanicals um, and all broadheads in general. And, and so he took with the original original Grim Reaper design, he took everything, he listed out everything he could find wrong with the mechanical broadhead and he resolved that issue. Durability, deflection, um, penetration, all these different things. And so that's how the original Grim Reaper design came to fruition. And then over the years, as, you know, setups change and setups have got faster and, and, and technology's got better all around in every aspect, we've, we've, we've constantly improved our internal spring system design. We've, we've improved the skills we use, the materials we use, the heat trees process we use, the, um, you know, we've implemented better and more stringent quality control systems. We're ISO certified as a company in our machine shop to um, offer better quality. We've, instead of outsourcing components over the last 15 years, We've slowly transitioned everything to we have a full 10,000 square foot in-house machine shop and we machine all of our own components now because we can do them the way we want and get the quality standard we, we want to meet. So, um, you know, there's just been constant growth and constant change, um, you know, improving the products. You know, just more recent in the last five years, we've taken years worth of, of designs and come out with our Pro Series line, which we've implemented our Pro Tip and different configurations and, and different technologies we've built over the years into our Premier line, our Pro Series broadhead. Um, and then, then after that, we we just saw a niche there as companies were selling out and different brands were moving overseas, et cetera. We decided, hey, we've got to jump hard into the fixed plate line. So we created the Hades and the Micro Hades. 
you know, we've just diversified and, and now we, we do a lot of crossbow models because crossbow market's so huge. So we've just seen niches and seen opportunity for improvement and, and grown and changed and adapted and diversified. You know, I, I can't list all the changes and improvements we've done because it's, you know, it's, it's dozens a year that we say, hey, we can make change that material to something better. Or we can change that machining process to make this, this body a little tougher or, you know, make our spring system engagement a little better, or, you know, make our blades tougher, make our blades sharper. I mean, it just nonstop. Yeah. That's, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what's fun about it is, is we have that ability to do it. And, and we do, we, we take pr enough pride and passion in it. We do that when we see opportunity to change and improve, we do. It's not always about the bottom line. It's, it's about, Hey, let's make this better. Yeah. It's going to cost a little bit more, but in the end, we're going to have a, a better product. And, and I think that's lost in a lot of brands these days. It's it, it, that passion and knowledge and ability to make those changes on the fly just doesn't exist like it does here. Well, you can you can hear that pride and passion that you have as you as you're talking about this because you can definitely tell it's not about the bottom line. It's about just creating a great product, which is it's so funny because you're talking about a, a piece of metal that we put on the end of an arrow and all this the changes that you can make to that to to make that better and it it, it fascinates me honestly. You know, I'm so I'm a golfer. I know Seth's going to make fun of it, but um, it, it cracks me up of how much how many changes they can make to a driver or to a golf ball. You know, it's basically they or basically look the same or whatever, but they're always making changes to fly further or fly better. And it sounds like a, kind of the same thing with what you guys have going through with Grim Reaper Broadheads is you're just, you're making those fine tuned things, making it more durable, making it fly better, making it penetrate better, whatever the case may be to make that just the, the perfect broadhead. And I, I'm sure that'll be a lifelong or how, many generation long uh, adventure trying to find that perfect broadhead. Right. Well, that's the, that's the goal. And, and to go along with that, you know, it, it's been a necessity too, because look at what bows and arrows and have done in the last 20 years, right? Yeah. You know, it's... a broadhead from 20 years ago isn't going to hold up to a brand new <laughs> bow that's that's producing a lot more speed and energy and, and you know, than ever before. Yeah. You know, you know a, a bow 20 years ago at 50 pounds or 70 pounds doesn't touch what a 55 pound bow does today. So along with that growth and that, you know, there's gotta be constant evolution with the broadhead end as well. So, um, yeah, you, we, you uh, we'll keep improving as long as we can. We feel like we got some pretty sweet products, but if we see a, a way to make them better, we do. And we will. Do you guys remember those, those old broadhead? When I first started shooting, uh, archery, I, I had those broadheads that were like, they were a fixed blade. And I swear they were like that long, just these, big old honking things you put on the end of your arrow and right. i remember when they started going down to just these these little small ones and i'm like oh that's not gonna work come to find out it actually worked out better than those big yeah. ones did <laughs> yeah some of the things we used to shoot there's no way you could throw on a modern setup and get them to fly or get them to to work for you and mm, i wish i had some of the equipment now or back then that i have now oh. probably have a few more big big mealies on the wall if i did but Heck yeah, it would be killers if we had <laughs> this equipment 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but it's still always been just as fun. That hasn't changed. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> All right, Seth, I'll, I'll be quiet now. I'll, I, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm starting to geek out, so I, I better be quiet and let you talk before I, I get crazy. So I'm just going to start with a, an easy one. Um, what is your most popular broadhead? Like, who, what is, is it still just the, the, the regular old three blade or have you seen a shift there or are people changing 
or, or is it still the, the traditional Grim Reaper design? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, honestly, it's it's pretty pretty area dependent or region dependent. When you look at bow hunting, the honest answer is eighty percent of the market is whitetail. Right. So I mean, it's just the truth. Out west, mm-hmm. we we think it's huge, but it's not compared to the amount of bow hunters and bow hunting done. It's it's in the whitetail world. So our number one selling broadhead is our our big two inch cut three blade whitetail special um, because that's really the number one style of bow hunting out there Um, out west. Yeah, absolutely. Our three blade inch and three eighths mechanical is still our top dog. Um, You know, we've, we've grown and improved that over the years. Um, Our pro three blade inch and three eighths, which is kind of our, all the years of of technology and, and growth and changes built into that pro series model is our number one selling Western broadhead because it's, it's a little more conducive to Western hunting, longer shooting, bigger animals, a little smaller cut, sweat blade angle, all those things that go into what we want out West here versus the big white tail special. That is that big, huge devastating hole that guys shooting 20 yards out of a tree stand want on a deer, you know? So, but yeah, uh, overall the white tail special number, you know, in the world or in the country. Um, but out West here, the inch and three eights, three blades, especially the pro model is number one. We are seeing huge growth in our micro Hades fixed blades and like our little four blade mini mag mechanical We're seeing big growth in a couple newer models, but, but, uh, the inch and three eights, three blade is still keen. Still what I shoot for most stuff. Um, and then the other kicker in there is crossbow, uh, crossbow markets blown up. We sell a ton of our crossbow specific model. We have to design them a little bit different to stay closed at 400 to 500 feet per second that they're getting out of these new crossbows. So um, wouldn't be surprised if, if our 100 grand crossbow model actually is our number one selling broadhead this year. That's how big the crossbow market has got, but that's not something we really deal with out West here, you know, obviously. So, so a follow-up question and kind of on a personal note, uh, you touched on a little bit, but talk about the, the four blade setup. Cause that's what I'm shooting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love the mini mag. Um, I I'm guessing you're referring to the mini mag, the four blade yep. mini mag. Um, and it's quickly grown into one of our top selling mechanical broadheads. And it's something we came out with a few years back in our pro line and, and kind of the concept behind it. If you look at our lineup, we have, uh, what we call the fatal steel, which was a, a little all steel mechanical brought in, um, short, little compact design, super accurate, super tough. And people loved it. I loved it. But the only gripe we ever had along, you know, with the fatal steel was, Hey, if I'm going to shoot a mechanical, I want more cut diameter, you know, cause it's not really cutting. Yeah. It is more forgiving it is more accurate than most six blades, but it's not really cutting much more with the inch and a quarter three blade design. So, um, the mini mag was kind of my brainchild. I want, I thought, well, if we could, if we could build this design in a four blade model and keep it short, compact, really tough, really beefed up, but add a fourth blade and, and get that extra blade surface to increase cut. Um, I think we'd have a winner, um, which we do and which, which has been great for us. And so that was the original reasoning behind it, but a byproduct of the design if you understand how Grim Rapers work, all of our blades 
all of our mechanical blades sit on an internal spring. Um, and all blades are resting on one spring. So with the four blade designs, we found um, that on impact, you know, the odds of ever hitting an animal with the broadhead where all four mechanical blades are making contact at the exact moment, right? You're usually on some kind of an angle. So on impact, as soon as one blade starts hitting with our design, it, it kicks that spring and it compresses against that spring and actually releases all the other blades that are resting on that same spring. It's like the shock on a truck. Yeah, right. One blade hits and starts compressing that spring, everything comes open. open. So okay. that four blade, because it's not only is it, you know, have that, that feature where, where you hit a blade and it, it starts opening all blades, but that particular blade and that particular model is our shortest blade anyway. So it's got the shortest overall swing arm to get deployed. So it actually has turned into be our fastest opening mechanical on impact. Um, we see phenomenal entrance wound channels with it. It gets open really fast. It doesn't take a lot of energy, but in that little compact design, because of the four blades, you still have two and a half inches of total blade surface, um, which is a lot, you know, and right. that's, that's a misconception. I'm going to get squirreled sidetracked here for a minute. Cut diameter is pretty misleading in the broadhead category, right? Cut diameter, the way the industry labels it is, is diameter. Right. So if you have a two blade broadhead, they, you draw a circle around the outside of the two blades and measure across that circle, that's cut diameter. And that's what is on broadhead packaging. So a two blade inch and a half broadhead has exactly an inch and a half of blade surface. You add a third blade on there, it's still labeled the exact same inch and a half, but now you have right. another full blade of cut. So it actually has more blade surface, right. um, which is, a, you know, yeah, it gives you more cut, but it also takes a little more energy to push that through. You add a fourth blade in, all of a sudden that same labeled inch and a half cut diameter broadhead now has three total inches, double the amount of blade surface, but it's still labeled the same. And that's pretty misleading, right? Right. So I like to refer to, and as we're talking, you guys might hear this, I like to refer to as total blade surface or linear cut. You push a broadhead through a piece of paper. How much paper did you cut? That's what matters. Right. Not what it's labeled as a cut diameter. So that's why that four blade's pretty cool. It's still short, compact, short blades. Um, not a lot of leverage out on those blades to deflect those kind of things. A shorter blade's tougher, just physics, um, opens faster, all those things. But within that little compact design, you get two and a half inches of total blade surface, um, which is devastating. It punches an awesome wound channel, bleeds animals out. That's what we're trying to do. Still maintains the durability and integrity that we want. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, the overall view of the mini mag and why it's such a neat broadhead. Um, kind of gives us all those things us Western guys want. We yeah. want durable, we want accurate, we want something that's going to penetrate still good for the, the blade surface you get. And that's kind of always the trade-off. You know, if you go to a huge broadhead, you're going to sacrifice penetration and durability, um, period. It's just physics. I don't care what guys want to argue when we're talking 100 grain broadheads, you know. Right. You know, there, there's trade-offs with everything. So that mini max kind of in my zone, right? Yeah. Small, compact, moderate cut, bigger than a fixed blade, but still maintaining a moderate enough cut that it penetrates good, has the durability, and uh, just gets the job done.
Yeah, I've I've not taken anything with it yet, but Taryn's gonna get me set up on an antelope this year, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get one. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I've shot quite a few critters with it. Absolutely love it. In fact, it's the only you know I'm pretty uh, diehard as when it comes to my Ancient Three Eights Pro, um, but I actually pack too many mags, three inch and three eighths pro and too many mags in my quiver. Um, just cause I can, and, uh, they both fly the same for me. And, and I've shot a lot of animals actually the last three or four years with the mini mag. It's been really the only one that I've mixed into my, you know, when you're on that, that trophy hunt, you just want your tried and true and that one you have confidence in that. Well, that's the pro inch and three eights. And I'll sit there hunting and I'll look at something else on the end of my arrow. And after a minute, I'm like, can't do it you know i'll switch my arrows out but the mini mag's been the only one that that i've slowly transitioned into kind of my go-to's uh and uh you know it, it's it's an awesome head i really really do like it and how it performs nice well that makes me happy <laughs> <laughs> what did you use in the past seth just what, what did i know you've taken uh, the, 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 the traditional three blade um uh he said it a bunch of times the pro series Okay. Uh, that's what I've taken my antelope before with and my, my two other bucks that I've taken with, with Grim Reapers. So nice. Great head. You know, like if I'm starting somebody out that just wants to try a mechanical broadhead, like, Hey, I've always shot fix and I want to, that's the one I'll push them out because it, it, you know, guys, guys will pass judgment on their first experience. Yeah. And if someone guy someone has always shot a little small fixed blade broadhead and they go straight to our white tail special, expecting even similar type penetration or durability characteristics, it's just not what that head's designed for. It's 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 you know two or three times bigger and more blade surface <laughs> and longer. So you're really giving up a lot for a big huge hole. And that's why it's called white tail special. It's built for those types of scenarios, closer shooting and smaller animals. But guys will take one and then have a poor penetration experience on an elk, and then they write off mechanical products. And it all came down to hey, honestly, you honestly just picked the wrong one. You needed to talk to someone that knew what they were talking about. And hey, let's go over here, the Pro Inch Trace Three Blade. That yeah, it's bigger than your your fixed. It's going to be more forgiving because it's lower in file in flight profile. Right. And, you know, you can get away with a little more, maybe a tuning issue or a shooting issue or whatever. It is going to be more forgiving because of profile, but it gives you a really good cut diameter, but it still penetrates really well because it's moderate cut, real sweat blading, which is huge for penetration. That's where I'll push a newcomer to the mechanical world just so they go out there and see what it's all about. And, and then if they want to try different things and get bigger or whatever, that's great. But that's kind of the always my game plan when talking to somebody um, that wants to dip their toes and shoot a mechanical broadhead. Uh, let's, let's start you out here and, and have you have a great experience. And then, you know, mechanicals work and you know, they're great. Then you can tinker from there. Yeah. They, they fly so well, even at my longer maximum range type stuff. That's two of my, one of my deer and the antelope were at kind of my max bottom pin and just, Right. Or drove tax right into them so yeah, yeah. i i've liked them <laughs> yeah and that's really the you know i've had the fixed versus mechanical conversation i can't even tell you how many times <laughs> over the last 15 years and uh you know to me 
an adult care what anyone shoots, you know, just understand and know what you're shooting and, and practice and, and be prepared on your end to know your capabilities and shot placement is key period. Yeah. Yep. You know, every animal I've ever shot in my life that I hit through both lungs or hit through the heart and I period. Um, and you know, so that's number one. That's always been my biggest, uh, I guess, pitch towards a mechanic about it. It's just that not because I'm lazy and not because my bow isn't perfectly tuned and I don't shoot arrows every single day, almost year round. That's not it. Some people will say mechanicals are for lazy hunters. That's not true because mm -hmm. I'm not lazy. I put in as much effort as anyone I know. My bow's always dialed. My setup's right. My arrow's fine, correct. But I choose a mechanical because of the overall forgiveness and accuracy, especially longer shooting, windy conditions, out west type hunting. And I like a little more cut diameter. Yep, yep. Uh, today's setups are are efficient and give us a lot more energy than we ever had. And, and we have that ability to push a little more cut through an animal, even some of the bigger animals. I shoot a mechanical on everything. Elk, I shot my moose in Canada with this past season with the Inching Trades Pro. People thought I was an idiot. For taking that, you know, and, and but it's what I have confidence in. It's what what I know I'm going to put in the right spot. And I don't always make perfect shots. Nobody does, but it's what I have the most confidence in and, and putting where I need to put it. And that's what I base my decision on. So inch and three eighths, you can pro. You can use that for anything. Yeah, like you said, use it for moose. You can use it for pronghorn. Whatever you want, it, it'll pretty much do everything. Yeah, that's my. I call it my workhorse do all yeah. mechanical head. You know, when you look at the design, um, it's, and I don't, I'll show you guys, I got one right here. I always have one close by. <laughs> um, when you look at the design, it's a moderate cut, but look at that, how swept those blades are, right? Mm -hmm. um, blade angle is such a giant factor in penetration. Um, and, and, and jumping back to like two blade designs and a lot of other mechanical designs out there, because you're trying to get all your blade surface out of a lot of these two blade designs, the blade angles are long and bumped out flat. So there's a ton of resistance on those blades, especially you hit bone or whatever. There's a ton of resistance for penetration. There's a lot of potential there for deflection because you got longer blades and flatter blade angles. You're chopping through things rather than slicing. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things that sets fixed blades apart. If you look at most fixed blade designs, they have a lot more swept a steeper blade angle they're smaller cuts with steeper blade angles so it obviously penetrates better this is kind of that that middle ground jumping to a mechanical but still maintaining a really swept blade angle and a moderate cut for penetration um and people don't understand how big of a factor that is so you know that's why this hedge is such a good overall it'll shoot out of you know i have kids women shooting it with 40 pound bows on deer and, and getting pass throughs or you know i've shot it through elk i've shot it through moose i've shot it 70 yards on antelope or you know you know what i mean it's just kind of that universal all-around head and that's what i'm looking for in a broadhead i don't want something that's just specifically set up and designed to punch through an elk shoulder blade at 10 yards that's great but that's not my hunting style i might shoot an elk today at 12 yards but i might shoot an antelope tomorrow at 72 and the pro three inch and three eighths or the mini mag those heads are what give me that all around confidence any scenario that's throwing at me in a hunting hunting scenario i'm good to go and i know it's it's if i do my part it's gonna do its part yep if i square something up 
an elk up in the shoulder, square in the shoulder at 30 yards, I can live with the fact that to me, that's a poor shot, you know, and you know, that's, yeah. that's on me. Exactly. I want my broadhead. I, I know what I can do. I know what my broadhead can do. I want it to all come down to me executing a good shot and hitting the animal where I know I'm supposed to hit it. And, and it's a, a done deal period. And executing so, that shot comes down to confidence. You know, if you don't yeah. have confidence in the field, I mean, whether you're shooting a gun or whether you're shooting a bow or what, you know, whatever you're doing, you got to have confidence in, in your in your tool. And so, yeah. yeah, if you if you have confidence that you know that if I put this in the right spot, if I do my job, it'll do its job. Yeah, and and dude, you know, you guys have been in hunting scenarios. There's so many things going on and it's happening. But I don't want to be thinking, oh man, 62 yards and there's a little wind. Yeah. Is this brought it going to plane on me or is it going to do its job if I, you know, I don't even want to think about it. I want it to be just instinctive. Um, I've ran that head through, you know, well over 150 big game animals on every angle you can imagine. That's a lethal angle to shoot an animal or a, a ethical animal. To, and, and I just have confidence in it. So that's what I roll with, you know, that's what works. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not ever going to, blame the broadhead because i know it it works it's just i got to execute and do my part and if i put it in a good spot it's it's a it's a done deal yeah. so what's the difference between the pro and the the razor tip one i was doing a little bit of research as i've been kind of looking to see which one i want to get into what, what's the difference between those two so the razor tips are original tip it's kind of and it's awesome i shot it you know forever mm-hmm. before we came out with the pro series um oh what's pro's been out six years or so, I think. Um, but I've shot, I shot the razor tip originally and, but it still had the same inch and rates and swept blade angle. Yeah. But that was our original tip. It's, it's the design is a trocar style bone busting, just a beast of a tip that's designed for blowing up bone and, and it works great. It's always been a phenomenal head for us. We still, still sell a ton of them. Guys just have shot them forever and love them. And that's great. But, you know, kind of going back to our history, that was the original. Then there was a kind of a phase in the archery industry that you had to have a cut on contact tip. So broadhead manufacturers came out with all these designs, cut on contact designs with the blade in the tip of the broadhead, mechanical head, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, Grim Reaper had that concept patented, the original we made our razor cut, which had a blade in the tip of the broadhead. And that was a patent of ours. And then over the years, we transitioned out to kind of more of a machined bladed tip. We still call it the razor cut. So you had the razor tip, the bone busting trocar style, like the original muzzies had. And then you have the cut on contact razor cut designs. And over the years, the owner and, and myself, we wanted to create a tip that offered the best of both worlds. It still had all the integrity and the bone busting capabilities of the razor tip, but was sharp cut on, could be labeled as a razor sharp cut on contact. And it actually took us literally 15 years to develop and design and, and come to the pro tip, which the design's pretty dang cool. And uh, we actually hand sharpen hundred percent of them. So they, when you buy a pack of pro tips, anyone that has them, you pull them out. I mean, that tip's the sharpest tip made on the planet, period. But it's still got the integrity to bust bone. You can, if you spin it on your hand, it'll make you bleed. 
that's because we machine them and then we hand sharpen them on a belt grinder, every single one of them. It's extremely labor intensive. Um, but man, it's what makes the best, coolest tip on the planet. And that's what we do. So, so that's where the pro tip came from. So we feel we finally made the ultimate tip for a broadhead and we call it our pro tip. That's what on all of our new pro series, our fixed, our fixed plate broadheads, our hybrid broadheads, our pro mechanicals all have that, that unique, super sharp, hand sharpened pro tip. And, uh, you know, you play with them, you'll see what I'm talking about. They're <laughs> scary sharp. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Because as I looked at them, I was looking at the, yeah, the razor tip. Is that right? The razor. I hope I'm not messing yeah. this up. I got the product. I got it here. So yeah, the razor tip. I was like, Oh, okay. That looks like more for L cause I might have to, you know, bust through a shoulder or, you know, I, Going through their hide is a little bit tougher. It's like, okay, that's more for elk, and, and the pro series would be more for the for deer. But it sounds like that's not correct. It sounds like the the pro series would basically do the same thing as the razor tip, as far as if it needed to go through the shoulder, it could go through the shoulder or yep. or whatever it needed to do. Yeah, I mean, the tip's not going to be your hiccup there. I mean, going through a shoulder comes down to to the tip's going to do its job. It comes down to hey, do you have enough energy to push this cut down or through a shoulder? Where do you hit in the shoulder type of thing? So, but the pro tip is phenomenal. Um, you know, it has both bone busting type durability, but yet it literally is razor sharp. And that was always the goal to kind of combine those two features into one unique tip. And, and that's what the pro tip is. So for a guy, oh, that, oh go ahead. Seth. Oh, I was just going to say, <clears throat> Going off of your your moose hunt story in fifteen to twenty years, when I'm lucky enough to draw this bison archery tag, would <laughs> I luck, be buddy. fine shooting? Yeah, shooting the pro series, or would you recommend something else? Um, I mean that's one of those tricky ones. I've had a lot of guys shoot or shoot buffalo with mechanical heads with good success. Um, even that inch and three eighths pro razor tip. And I had this conversation with a good friend of mine, Alan Bolin last year. He had a, he bought a, a Buffalo tag here in the state and ended up killing, I think the new state record Buffalo. And he's a diehard advocate of, uh, of our mechanicals. He shoots them for everything for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he called me, he's like, dude, I got this Buffalo tag. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot your, the pro inch and three eighths, put me some together. So I got him some put together and then he talked to uh, another friend of mine, Bob Fromm over in, in California, big hunter. And he's got the, the grand slam a couple of times, you know, and, and, and uh, he owns a big archery shop over there. And, and Bob put a bug in Alan's ear that, Hey man, you know, Buffalo's one animal with their long hair and they're huge. I'd probably, I'd probably throw a fixed blade. And, and it's funny cause I'm going to use this as an example. I'm confident now it could have gone and killed that bull with a mechanical head, but that got him thinking and a little nervous. And as soon as that happened, I said, dude, you got to roll with what you're hundred percent confident in on a hunt like this. So if you don't walk into it, just if you're questioning yourself and questioning your equipment and nervous about it, don't do it. You know, you got to roll into it hundred percent knowing, and most guys wouldn't take a mechanical product on a moose hunt like I did because it would be, be in their mind not that i don't think the product will do the job but it would be in their head and and that's kind of what i told alan so he ended up grabbing some micro hades and smoking his bowl you know worked phenomenal blew through it you know who knows what the interest rates would have done i think it would have done the same job but it's a confidence thing right so um you know i 
I don't try to, uh, on those kind of hunts, I tell guys, look, I would do it, but you got to go with what you, you know, if you question it or you're worried about it. Because ultimately, if a guy's even questioning it at all and he doesn't get his animal, it doesn't matter what happened. He's always going to blame, blame the, broad the, the product. Yep. Oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have shot a mechanical, even if he hit it totally bad, right? Yep. So I don't like to, you know, it, it's a game of confidence. Um, you know, the the buffalo thing if i ever get a buffalo tag i'm gonna go shoot it with a <laughs> mechanical head um i know uh one of the kids up at uh camp or black Ovis camel fire he shot his buffalo two or three years ago smoked it with a mini mag yeah wow Just absolutely hammered it and and uh loves that broadhead and sent me all kinds of pictures so it's just all relative to your confidence level um, but that's, if I tell guys, you know, if you're going to, even me, um, I'm a mechanical advocate. I shoot them for everything and will for everything, unless I go to Idaho, which is the only state in the country that doesn't allow mechanical broadheads for big game hunting. Um, but anywhere else I hunt, I'm shooting a mechanical broadhead period. But there are mechanicals I won't shoot even in my own line because they don't fit me in my hunting style. Um, I don't really shoot the white tail special because it doesn't fit me in my hunting style. It's not designed for shooting 60 yards and, and a little bigger animals. That's, that's what the ancient creates and the mini mag and the fatal steel and our little micro hybrids are designed for. So, you know, you can't generalize or just, give a general label to mechanical broadheads because they are not all created equal, even in my lineup, you know, the, you know, I'll give you a couple pointers or, or listeners, a couple pointers when we're talking hundred grain broadheads or even 125, the bigger, the total blade surface of the broadhead period, the less penetration you're going to get and the less durability you're going to have period. The smaller the overall broadhead design, cut diameter, um, blade surface, you know, that's where you're going to get your, your best penetration and your best durability. It's just physics. you got two ends of the spectrum. I've got little micro 80s that are all steel, an inch and a 16th cut, really sweat blade angle that are 100 grain. And then I got the big, huge white tail special over here. This one has 1.6 inches of blade surface. This one has three. They're both 100 grain broadheads, but they're on different ends of the spectrum. So what do you want? Do you want a huge hole, but you're willing to deal with a little bit of, uh, you know, might tweak a blade or bend a ferrule? That's fine. They shoot the white tail special. Right. You want a broadhead that you shoot through anything on the planet and it still looks brand new. Then you got to go over here to the little micro Hades. I fall into the middle category. Mm -hmm. Ancient three eights, mini mag, the carnivore, the micro hybrids that are right down the middle. You know, they give me more cut, but they still maintain enough integrity. They give me, they take a little more energy, but they still penetrate really well. You know, I'm not trying to compare them straight up to a fixed plate. It's just, you know, you got to pick and choose what you want as a hunter, what's your hunting style, what's your comfortable shooting distance, what animals are you shooting. I hunt a specific way. I even shoot my animals, um, in a specific spot further back than most guys. And I've talked about this on podcasts. I, I don't even, I, I come clear back from the shoulder 
to me, that's my shot placement. That's what works. That's where I think overall is the best shot placement for several reasons. And, you know, I, I hunt a certain way, a certain style and a mechanical broadhead fits that the ones I shoot, not all mechanicals, but the ones I shoot, the inch and threads pro, the mini Mac, they fit that style to a T they work for me. That's not everyone's formula. You know, if you're going to be the guy that calls me and says, dude, I shot an elk and I didn't get any penetration or I squared up the shoulder. I'm going to say, go shoot the micro Hades three blade, because that, that, that going to give you the, that's the best penetrating broadhead and Grim Reapers lineup, the most durable broadhead and Grim Reapers lineup, not because it's a fixed blade, but because it's a small cut, a swept blade angle, just what it is, you know? So you can't generalize or just label a mechanical versus fixed. There's so many other factors, so many other variables that go into what really makes a broadhead tick and what really makes it penetrate or be durable. And uh, you just kind of got to assess that as a hunter, what works for you and, and uh, go from there. It's, it's kind of funny because you're talking about, you know, overall blade versus penetration. And I'm a huge history nerd, but you go back and even look at, how native americans built theirs even when they were big they typically increased in length not width because mm-hmm. they wanted to get in and get because they're you know they're using a sharp rock man obsidian or something they don't they don't want right. it to cut a big out superficial hole they wanted to get in there and get the the good stuff yeah you don't pick <laughs> up a you don't pick up an arrowhead that's like, like this axe shape right yeah yeah you real know, long and you look and at a lot of heads out there mechanical heads, and even even fixed blades have gone that way to a degree where they make these little short designs and that bumps the blading well to get cut right so there's that balance there of, of maintaining angle and that's why you look at most traditional guys they're shooting shooting a longer really steep blading yeah. type design because that's a traditional broadhead that's designed for penetration penetration straight up trying to make the best penetrating setup in the world. It's going to be a two blade, really long, steep, pen- steep angle broadhead. Yep. I'm not arguing that fact with anyone I never have. Right, right. Right. But, but <clears throat> I, with my setup and modern compound or even modern, modern recurve bows or whatever, right. I don't want a, a little one inch, two blades slip yep. my setup my hunting style can give me a lot more than that yep. right you know and, and the way i look at it i want to feel comfortable maximizing my cut maintaining durability and still shooting for a pass through entrance exit hole every time on a good hit right you know i push that envelope and, and find where that is and that's whether that's yep. at 70 yards or 10 yards or whatever you know i want to find that balance that's that's what the end goal is right. I don't right. care if my broadhead goes through and is stuck in a tree 20 yards behind my animal. I've had that happen a ton of times, but I want my broadhead to punch an entrance and an exit hole on a good broadside or quarter to way hit. If I shoot one in the chest, I want it to buried in the fletchings, whatever. I, yeah. I want those things to happen because that that's what kills the animal. Um, and so that's why I opt for the options I go with. They give me everything I want. They're all around great performing heads and give me all I want for my hunting style and, and end the story. I mean, that's, right. that what, that's what works for me. And, and there's proven, proven history and science behind that as well. Right. So you're, you're talking about these the mechanical versus uh, 
fixed. But then you guys have these little hybrid uh, broadheads as well. I mean, is that kind of the best of both worlds or is, I mean, what's the pros and cons of those? Yeah. So yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, it's kind of that option for guys that, that are a little bit Can't make up their mind. straight mechanical, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to open or whatever. Um, it gives them that peace of mind that, Hey, I got, I got a fixed blade, two blade fixed blade here. And these mechanical blades are a bonus. Mm. If they open, it's going to be devastating, you know, which they are going to open. But it, it gives it gives that degree of confidence to guys. Plus, um, you know, the one, and again, I'm a huge mechanical advocate for a ton of reasons, but to me, the one downfall to a mechanical, for the most part, is if you don't get a pass-through on an animal the mechanical blades quit working for you where fixed blades keep working for you. Yeah. What I mean by that is if, if you got a broadhead internal in an animal pulling around, backing out, um, by law in almost all states, mechanical blades have to be able to retract into the, if you look at any mechanical design, if you pull it back out of anything, the blades will retract back into some degree of a closed position because if not, it's considered a barbed broadhead. Um, you know, they don't want it stuck like a fishing tip. Right. Right. So you have to, so if, if an animal's running off and I shoot them with the pro inch and threads and I don't get a pass through and it, it pulls back a couple inches, those blades are going to close. Sure. You got a little pro tip that's still poking around, but a fixed blade still cutting, yeah. slicing and dicing. And so, you know, that's another advantage to look at like a hybrid design, um, or a fixed blade design has that gives you, you know, so if you're shooting lighter poundage and, you know, you feel like, Hey, maybe I'm not going to blow through an elk. Um, that's a great option because you still got something working for you internally as that elk runs off. So there's a couple reasons it works. It gives some people that peace of mind. Hey, doesn't matter what happens. I have a fixed blade. I'm good. You know, they can't really blame just the mechanical end. So it's a route for people to dip their toes Two, it's a four blade design. So it just gives you a lot of blade surface. Um, three, fixed blades are generally always more swept blade angle. So for the cut you get, you're not using a lot of energy. So you're just kind of getting that extra cut without adding a bunch of extra energy to push it through. And four, it keeps working for you as it's internal in an animal, if the animal runs off or moving around, whatever. Um, and, and so those are advantages on the fixed fixed end. And, and even I, as a mechanical guy can recognize it and say, Hey, this is what it is. You know, my goal with the mechanical is a pass through period. Cause if I don't get a pass through, it's not working for me anymore. Right. Does it fly similar to a, a fixed blade? I mean, it's got the fixed blade on it. So I'd imagine it would fly the similar to a fixed blade yeah. more so than a mechanical. I mean, flight, you know, it's just another one of those things that, that is, is relative to obviously setup. Mm-hmm. Your bow being tuned, your arrow being spined correctly, shooting form is probably the biggest factor. Oh, my bow's perfectly tuned, and I'll shoot a bullet through paper. But guys get excited and and you know torque their hand or punch the shot. And the larger profile you have in flight, just going to exaggerate that more. So yeah, a hybrid adds. We build our hybrids almost all of all of our pro series hybrids. We build on our smaller fixed blade, uh-huh. the Micro 80s fixed blade cut, the inch and sixteenth version, for that very reason, um, because it's a smaller overall fixed blade and just gives a little more accuracy, forgiveness, especially with today's faster setups. But 
and we've had really good accuracy results out of the high micro hybrids. Um, but yeah, anytime you start adding more blade pro surface in flight, it, it comes down to setup, not the broadhead. You know, people want to blame, Oh, no, no broadhead, especially a mechanic, especially a fixed or hybrid broadhead can be straight up labeled as field point accurate. Mm-hmm. Are they capable of shooting groups like that? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But nothing's as accurate as a field point that has zero profile. Nothing's as accurate and forgiving, period. Right. It's just physics, right? You add more wings up front, there's more potential for steering, and every issue is going to be exaggerated. I explain it like, hey, a field point's the most forgiving. You can get away with a bow that's a little out of tune. You can torque your grip. You can still shoot a sweet group. You do all those same things with a mechanical, it blows your up a little bit. Yeah. You do all those same things with a hybrid, it blows your group up a little more. You do all those same things with a straight fixed blade, it blows your group up like this. It just, you know. It's physics. It just takes more attention to specific details and shooting forms and conditions to have more profile be super accurate, totally doable. Mm-hmm. But even the, you know, the best shooters on the planet, and I rub shoulders with a lot of them, will absolutely tell you with a fixed blade broadhead, they're handicapped to some degree accuracy wise, period. Yeah. And distance. There, there's no question. Yeah. You start throwing down range at 80 yards and a little bit of wind, it handicaps their shooting ability, period. Yep. A mechanical That's... gives them more forgiveness. You go find a world class best shooter in the world guy that's not shooting the mechanical, it's very rare. Yeah. Because their bread and butter is. 100 yards they can hit a dot that you and i dream about doing consistently and they want that to be their advantage so they don't throw a big hades on the front unless they have to because it just adds more variable and more potential for issues um and that's just being honest yeah definitely well that's kind of why i made the switch i've been a fixed blade for most of my archery hunting career and then i just recently in the last few years switched over to to mechanicals for that reason because uh, i was handicapped i could only go out to you know 40 yards was, was about as far as my comfortability went i didn't dare shoot past maybe maybe 50 yards with my my fixed blade because i just i didn't trust what it was going to do switch over to the mechanical blades and now you know i mean i really could make that 75 80 yard shot and and, and feel confident shooting that right. shot at least as far feel confident in, in being accurate and that let the broadhead do its work once it gets there right. so right. um so that's that was kind of my reason for changing i i've as i've looked at your guys's broadheads i, I kind of looked at the high risk because oh man that is kind of like the best of both worlds i'm going to get you know a, a little bit better accuracy because it does it did look you know significantly smaller as far as the fixed blade side of it plus i get the mechanical you know, cutting surface, which would be awesome. So that was what I was kind of looking uh, at to begin with, but you've kind of got me converted over to the, the pro series now listening to you talk about it. Yeah, the hybrids are great. We've got a lot of great hunters that are shooting them, especially for elk. Um, again, I think it comes down to, hey, you know, some guys feel like elk, they don't get a pass today like that cut working for them. Um, but you, you wouldn't go wrong with the micro hybrid. You wouldn't go wrong with the Pro Inch and Threads or a Mini Mag. You won't go wrong with our Micro 80s if that's your cup of tea. They're all great products. You know, you just got to weigh out the benefits, the negatives, and decide what you want. You know, what can you live with? What can't you live without? Those kind of things and, and roll with it. And then go into the field with confidence. That's, that's the factor, the biggest factor, period. Be confident. 
know you can put it where you need to put it and you'll get your critter. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Go back to that confidence thing. Don't you guys make like a practice tip that's very similar to some of your mechanical ones so it allows you to shoot it? I mean, you'd be able to practice a ton yeah. with it that would fly the same. Yeah. And... We do offer uh, practice tips for our mechanical broadheads, even our hybrids. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, and I might get, I might get uh, shot for saying this, but <laughs> I've shot specific broadheads for like the ancient trades pro right for so uh -huh. many years i know what it does period yeah and i and i will shoot a couple but i don't need to i don't need to shoot a practice broadhead a bunch anymore um i, I know my system i know i do the same thing year in and year out right i get my setup perfect i get everything dialed i shoot a ton i'll throw in a little bit of broadhead or practice broadhead shooting but not much. And okay. that's, that's one of the beauties of a mechanical. If I was shooting and hunting with a fixed blade broadhead, I would feel a need to shoot them nonstop. I really would. And that's kind of a different level. Um, even longer shooting. I know my, you know, I know my drop on my mechanical because it's physics, right? Even with right. The mechanical versus build point at some point, you're going to see a little more drop. Um, cause there is more drag. Uh, Kevin Wilkie and I, he, you know, our neighbors and good friends and, he did some testing with his chronograph a couple of years ago and even a mechanical, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but at like 40 yards, even with a good mechanical broadhead that he shoots, my broadhead was still slowing down six, seven feet per second, more than a field point at 40 yards. Mm -hmm. And the further you get out, the more that happens, the more profile you have, the more that happens. And so at some point you're going to see a little drop. I know and understand that. I know my system. Um, I know, what I need to do to compensate if on, on longer shots, you know, out talking 60 plus and, and, uh, that works for me and I have a system dialed and, and I don't need to change it. It works for me, but, but yeah, we do offer practice heads. We encourage everyone to know and understand what your equipment does period, whether that means shooting practice heads every day, or maybe, or your confidence level, you shot a certain product for so long, you know what it's going to do, get your setup right. You know, I spin test them, I check them, I function them, I put them in my quiver and I go, I, I go kill stuff. Yeah. Um, but you got to kind of find a system that works for you, but we do have all those options. Let's say if you kill 150 animals with it, I, that's, that's pretty good confidence at that point, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not at that level. <laughs> it, it definitely, uh, helps, you know, when yeah. you ran it through a lot of critters and no, no, uh, and a lot of different scenarios. And, and that's just the pro engine traits. I've killed more animals than that with other models. But with that particular head, I, that's, like I said, that's my go-to when, when the chips are down, when I'm going on a hunt that, you know, I do a lot of different style of hunts, right? But when I'm on that trophy hunt or that, you know, that dream hunt or whatever, that's my baby. Yeah. You know, if I go sit in a tree stand, I'm on whitetail and fill in the freezer and shoot a couple of those, that's my tinkering time. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll try every broadhead in our lineup, but when the chips are down, the inch and three pro is my baby. It's in my number one slot, my quiver always, and nothing's ever dethroned that I've slowly integrated the mini mag into the mix because I'm starting to get confidence there. Cause I've shot enough that it's, I'm, I'm loving it. Right. And I, I just like the features of it. I can look at a broad and tell you whether I like it or not real fast, just by the design and the shape and the blade profile and the blade angle, all those things, no matter what brand it is and tell you instantly, Hey, 
this is something I'd consider and this is something that I'd throw in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the, those two are my, my go-tos right now for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, uh, my, I got a buddy trying to talk me into burn uh, in, into burning 20 elk points this year on an archery tag here in Utah and I, I want to have, I want to have your confidence, I guess is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at here to have that confidence knowing that it, it's going to, it's going to do its job. If, if I end up doing that, he's crazy for even bringing it up, but he, he's, he's pushing real hard for me to do it. Well, <laughs> if you do it, you give me a call. We'll, uh, we'll find what, we'll find what works best for you and give you that confidence and get you lined up. That's, uh, you, I'm, you'll probably be getting a call from me. <laughs> <laughs> So that's awesome. Seth, did you have any other products or questions that you uh, wanted uh, to ask about? I th- I think he's covered it really, really well. So I, I don't have anything left. I want to ask- start bro- talking broadheads. I just start talking a lot. So, you know, I love it, You're man. I, I have learned so much today. I, I want to go back to something you said earlier. Just this isn't about broadheads. I guess it kind of is, but you're talking about your shot placement on animals. So I'm always trying to tuck it in behind, you know, right in that pocket you said you shoot yours a little bit further back. Tell me a little bit about that. If you don't mind, you, you don't have to tell us your secrets. If you don't, you can tell, say, Taryn, just no, mind your own I business. Mean, I, but look, I'm, I am, uh, I'm an advocate. I've said it before. I've talked about it. I'm an advocate for people being successful in the fields, whether they use Grim Raper or any other brand. Um, you know, bow hunters need to be united and help each other. And, and hopefully people that have dealt with me would say that. I'm happy to help. And, and uh you know and share experiences that that have made me more successful um and i've i've been on hundreds of animal recoveries with the bow and arrow uh and i've been on plenty of non-recoveries you know and, and i've been i get multiple phone calls yearly because of what i do for a living and and my experience from people in the field or, um, you know, Hey, I just hit this animal. Here's where I hit it. Here's what the blood looks like. Here's what, you know, wanting to know what should I do? Mm -hmm. And just my overall experience over the last, you know, I don't want to admit how old I are (laughs) over the last 30 plus years of bow hunting. Um, I've just kind of gravitated to, shot placement for me if you look at an animal's anatomy um i come back middle to back along on everything i'm talking you go from the crease and i come back mid-body four ribs four inches you know especially on an elk um and and it because a couple reasons one most animals i've seen lost are always hit forward and a lot of them are guys that, man, I put it right in the crease, tight on the shoulder, maybe a hair high or whatever. I've seen more elk and more big animals get away on that hit than anything. And two, um, related to blood trails and penetration, you know, so when you're tucking tight, you have zero forgiveness forward. You know, you hit the shoulder or you're always going to hit the off shoulder. You're not getting that second hole for one. Two, the tighter the hole is to the movement of the shoulder, I found, it, it plugs up and doesn't let blood on the ground. So say you tuck it right tight on the crease of the shoulder, as soon as that elk runs off and swings its 
shoulder backwards, it seals that hole completely. Yeah. My hole that's four inches back from that, that's just nothing but thin hide and rib, never seals and never plugs, period, with movement of the animal's muscular structure or shoulder. There's nothing there. Um, and come to find out, and I, I never even realized this, this wasn't my my reasoning for it, but I heard Randy Omer say the exact same thing on a podcast. He always shoots his mule deer further back than most anyone intentionally back along back in the middle of ribs it gives you by far the most forgiveness any direction on a lethal hit if you're a little back you're still liver yeah that's a good point dead animal i don't even like to say this but even a a paunch or a gut shot animal dies period if you play your track job correctly you do what you need to do I don't condone that's ever anyone's shot, but it's the truth. Yeah. You hit forward, you're still in the lungs. Um, so, you know, I want, look, I practice a ton. I'm a good shooter, but I've killed a ton of critters. I still get jacked up. I still, things happen. Animals step, animals moved. I, I get excited. I get a, a poor re, a poor yardage on my range, whatever. I miss by a few inches. Yeah, we all you do. Know? And most times, most times guys point of impact from what they thought it was is not what it was. Mm-hmm. Most guys say I hit it right here and they walk up on the animal. Oh, that was a little further back than I thought, or that came out a little different. So I've just found that that hit a little, you know, coming back a little further to be ultimately the most lethal forgiving shot placement on an animal, especially with a mechanical broadhead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my hunting style of what works for me. It's what I, you know, when I went to Africa, years ago african animals have different anatomy and it's way forward oh i had the hardest time coming (laughs) right up the leg and holding on the square on what i consider the shoulder Uh like i i fought it and fought it. i had to get targets and practice (laughs) because i've mentally trained myself that my spot's not there and it, it you know if you look at an animal's anatomy, I think it's the smarter shot placement with the bow and arrow. With a gun, people are trained to, oh, yeah. and even I deal with it a lot with the crossbow. Most crossbow hunters are coming from the gun hunting world, and they're intentionally squaring them up on the front end to break them down. Mm-hmm. We're trying to bleed them out and follow a blood trail, and I think it warrants a little bit different mentality in shot placement, and that's that's what I found to be the most lethal, period. And I've seen it across hundreds and hundreds of recoveries that that's the recoveries we get. And, uh, you know, it just works for me and, uh-huh. and, and I'll say it and I'll preach it and I'll advocate it. Um, because I, I just feel like it helps people and it's, it's the best option. Now I got to try it. So I, when I do shoot my next animal with a bow, I'm, I'm going to have to, try. it's going to be hard though. Like you kind of how you were with the, the African animals. I'm going to be the same way trying to do that. Like, uh, yeah. it's a little far back. I mean, pra- practice makes perfect. Right. That's right. Um, it's funny. Like, and I was talking in one of my last shows with, with a guy that shoots a lot of 3d and you look at the dots on a, the 10 ring on a 3d target. It is not even close to my, perfect kill shot yeah so it's a that's long way. where they're trained mentally like hey this is where you know i'm tendering and tendering and tendering yep. and for me man that is not where i want to shoot a critter yeah too high a, a lot shot, of the time right on a lot of targets and so 
you go look at my 3D targets on my range and be like, dude, you suck. Like, <laughs> the, ten, the rings are over here and you're like, you're pounding it up here. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's what I've trained myself to do in the heat of the moment. It's natural. And, uh, you know, animals I've lost for the most part have always been forward, mm-hmm. always forward hits. And I just, you know, well, I like your, your comment about, you know, you, it gives you more forgiveness too. Cause if you miss, you know, if you're, if you're aiming forward and you miss forward, you're smacking them right in the bone and you're, you're not gonna hitting the, hitting the brisket or something. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not going to get penetration yeah, I mean, on that. So it, I kind of want to go middle back part along where forward still front along. That's the highest point. The lungs come uh-huh. height wise back. You've got still plenty of lung, but liver behind that. You know, I mean, it, anything in a pie plate shot is illegal. Yeah. If you tuck tight on the crease, that's great. But now your forgiveness is from the cre- from their back. Yeah, it's half. You have no forgiveness forward. Yeah. And and height wise, the lungs on the front end of it, especially on an elk, they the chest cavity goes like this. Right. And that mid to high shot right on the crease, it, it clips top along. And I have seen countless elk lost yep. and guys swear on their life. They just center. I mean, they just right on the crease. They got this much penetration, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they're, they try, they lost their animal and it's that hit. It's, it's just clipping top part along. It's mid body on an elk tight on the crease and it looks perfect, but it is not. I can promise you it is not a perfect shot. If they came back four inches from that spot, it is absolutely smoked dead in a, within 100 yards. That's my theory. Or not a theory. It's proven to yeah. me. That's my style. That's my whole point. That's what I try to accomplish. And uh, now, now there's, you know, that changes, obviously, if the animal's facing different directions or whatever. But right. I'm just talking straight up. My whole point is further back on average than most guys. And those are my reasons. That's awesome, man. I'd love to do a podcast with you and just talk like archery hunting tips, stuff like that, that people just don't know or, or, you know, haven't even thought about Cause we kind of, you know, we're probably like you guys, or maybe, you know, maybe you didn't, but I learned a lot of this from my dad. And so some of the stuff that he did, I've adopted good or bad, you know, it, it could be great. It could be bad. Some of the stuff that he did. And so I'd love to do a podcast with you and just uh, talk archery hunting tips. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm 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 a broadhead expert, but I'm also a, a huge archery hunting junkie, and and you know I've been blessed not only to bow hunt for 35 years, but um, I also have been able to rub shoulders with a lot of the greats in the industry and in all categories, and yeah. I've had the blessing of having a ton of real world infield experience. I've made all the mistakes a bow hunter can make. I've made all the bad hits. I've made all the stupid mistakes, you know, and, and, and one of the best teachers is just failure period. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've learned a ton and grown a ton from it. And, and, uh, and I get to talk bow hunting every day. Yeah. Lucky. You know, and, and broadheads every day and it, it has its gives and takes and sometimes i get burned out with man i can't have another broadhead conversation today or i'm gonna lose my mind but in the end i love i love sharing and helping and 
and uh, I do it a lot in my hometown area. I actually went and bought this last year. I went and invested my own money in a bunch of uh, Genesis bows and, and just to help youth uh, learn to shoot. Um, and uh, I've done a bunch of youth shoots and families and stuff just because I love sharing my passion for archery and getting the next generation involved. So, yeah, for sure. I'm all all in to, to share what I know. That, um, that'd be people a always think I'm like, you know, kind of closed off. And it's just always been my personality. I don't throw myself out there a lot. But when you get me going, I love sharing. I love sharing and helping and be happy to do something. So, oh, man. We, we need to plan it and just do it because there's a lot. You know I think there are a lot more people getting into archery hunting because of people like you doing those things, getting youth involved. So it's a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot of archery shoots, 3D archery shoots. That it's a lot of fun. It's getting more people involved. And so, but, but actual hunting practices, you know, I, I think that's where people, there, there is a big gap between shooting 3D yeah. archery and shooting and, and hunting archery. It, to me, honestly, it's two different worlds. I, and that's how I think about it in my head. I, I have, I have my entire, you know, 3D setup. I have my hunting yeah. setup, and it is a completely different look. And so, um, I think that's where we need to they kind are, of bridge and that I see gap. That. Yeah, I see some of the best 3D shooters in the world. And they're not hunters, killers. Right. There are people that are both, but you know, there's 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 a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of education that needs to happen when it comes to, you know, being frank about it when it comes to killing stuff mm -hmm. and recovering animals. I can't, I can't believe how many people have just don't know what to do on animals they shoot or are trying to trail or track or recovery. And I learned some of those things the hard way and, and follow up, follow up is such a big thing. And I get a ton of calls every year from people in the field that, man, I just hit this animal. Here's how it's acting. Here's where I think I hit it. Here's what my arm, cause there's, so I think there needs to be better education on man, what do you do? Yeah. You, you hit one back here. What do you do? How do you play it to increase your odds? And I've had plenty of those real world scenarios to learn some really valuable experiences. Even this past year, I mean, I shot a deer a little longer shot and hit it back and, and, you know, knew exactly where I hit it, watch how I acted or how it acted. And, and I instantly knew exactly how I had to play it all out. And I got that deer, but I feel like, I was sitting there thinking, you know, there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't get this deer because yep. they don't know what to do next. They're going to go walk up over that ridge and bump it. And then, you know, just knowing how to handle each scenario and, and uh, how to follow up is, is a big factor that I think needs a little bit of education out there for sure. So let's do it. Seriously, let, let's let's get that plan and get that on the. I know you're pretty busy right now with shows and whatnot, so we might want to wait till the shows are are over with. But uh, yeah, I think before more weeks of uh, running hard at shows, and then I'll I'll be able to settle in and and get some get some work done. So nice. We'll have to do oh, it before nice. archery season so that we can get people set up for for success. Because I think stuff like that, like I said, is, is huge and super helpful for people so they know, yeah, what to do in in a hunting situation versus in my backyard shooting a target right. situation. Right definitely definitely different yes well cool matt well we appreciate you coming on and and talking grim reaper um i'm i'm super stoked man i've you got me all excited now i want to i want to get my hands on them and and start working with them so uh like i said seth's been poking and prodding me for a long time hey, now i'm 
I'm just glad we got a Santa Quinn guy on the podcast. We always we always get these we always get these Southern Utah guys that right. knows, but but yeah. now we got people in my neck of the woods. Yeah, we gotta get some <laughs> Central or some right. Utah County representative. That's right. That's right. Just Southern a little bit. Utah County. Southern yeah. Utah County. Yeah, we can't go too far north. You can't go All north right. of the wall. No. <laughs> we told but, Seth uh, that he lived in the wrong part of Utah yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They told the the. The Southern Utah guys are like, oh, you live too far north. And I'm like, hey, it's it's not Salt Lake County, at least. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's growing a lot. We might have to, I might have to migrate further south. It, it, I'm following <laughs> you, too, because it, it might have to happen. <laughs> there's, there's still a handful of killers holding on to Santa Clara. That's, so. right. That's right. That's right. So, but yeah, man, it's been fun talking with you guys. Yeah. Um, in the end, we just want people to be successful and, and enjoy being outdoors and bow hunting and and if we can help on our end in the broadhead category, that's what Grim Reaper's about. Um, and, and we got the options to do it. So How's, um, what's hopefully the... it was insightful. And, and uh, you know, if we can help with anything, let us know. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the best way to contact you? I, I guess, is it best for people to contact you if they have questions following this podcast? And what's the best ways to do that? Yeah, so, I mean, a couple ways. Obviously, you can call this time of the year. I'm hit and miss. Um, or... You can hop on our website. We have a uh, an option on there to send us questions and requests through our actual website. It's just www.grimreaperbroadheads.com. Um, or we have an email address you can send questions to, watchemdrop at gmail.com. So there's several different methods uh, that you can reach out, whether it's phone or email or through our website. Um, we try to try to get back to those as, as promptly and quickly as we can. If someone wants to talk specifically to me personally, the best routes to, to call here and, and uh, get through to me or leave a, leave me a message with one of the gals and, and then I'll get back to people. So, um, you know, and, and help steer guys the right direction if we can. Nice. Sounds good. Is your office right there in that building right off I-15? It is. Yeah, that's, that's right off Center Street in Provo. It's where my office is. It's where uh, our manufacturing facility is. We actually make all the product right here, assemble them, ship them all from right here in our shops. So, wow, uh, pretty. Uh, one of these days, we're gonna open a little, uh, not really a retail store, but a, you know, maybe a little visiting room up front downstairs where you can kind of maybe look at some of our product and swag and maybe our history or whatever. We haven't got quite there, but that's on the future agenda to have a place people could actually stop in and, and check some things out and, and say hi. But right now I don't, uh, I don't have time to, to be down there doing with that. So, but that's the eventual plan to have that option. Nice. I go by that building. I can't tell you how many times I drive past that building. So one of these times I'll have to stop in and shake your hand. And if I, if I don't see yeah, the expo, Get to know you. No, and better. if you guys are wandering around Expo tomorrow and see a guy decked out in Grim Reaper stuff, and probably me. So. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> man. We for sure will. Well, man, appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck with your shows. Let us know if we can help in any way. We'd be happy to help any way that we possibly can with any of your guys' stuff. But uh, uh, enjoy those shows, and uh, let's touch base yeah. as soon as you get done. All right, sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Talk to you yeah. later. Take care. Bye. See ya.